Welcome, welcome, shalom, shalom, welcome, world changers. Tonight is another another great night of worship, another great night of of uh, fellowship, reading the scriptures. Awesome, awesome. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about how to prepare for Passover. Now it's not Passover yet, but we want to talk about how to prepare for Passover, and then we're going to get into some scripture reading. Uh, we're going to read from First Chronicles. We're going to read from the Psalms. And, uh, of course, taking your questions and your comments as we go along. We are live streaming on TikTok right now on Podbean uh, with the live podcast and on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, uh, Facebook, DLive, um, and uh, VK, other platforms as well, several other platforms. So welcome to everyone who's joining us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Feel free as we go along tonight to drop your questions or comments in the live chat. We will get to them as we, as you know, intermittently, we'll check the live chat. We're going to start out with talking about how to prepare for Passover. Now, we're not going to get into a great amount of detail, but I just want to kind of whet your appetite and talk about the basics uh, tonight. Uh, you know, it's going to be another three, no, you know, three days before uh, Passover. So, um, at least when we celebrate Passover, uh, so we'll talk about it right now and. Um, Get that out of the way. Just want to give you guys some time if you want to join along at home, you want to do it yourself at home, whatever the case is, or or if you have questions. um, Just wanted to deal with this while we while we're here. Okay, so first and foremost, preparations for Passover, and this is uh, if not uh, the most important thing, if not you know the primary thing, and that is to get the leaven out, get the leaven out of your homes. And what does that mean and what does that entail? See, there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't think about. Now, leaven is um, literally, it's, it's yeast, okay? And so let's just go kind of quickly back in the story uh, just to give you guys a little bit of um, uh, an idea of why we do this, like why we get the leaven out of our homes uh, during Passover. So... Um, Passover is all about when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And so the story goes that when they came out of Egypt, they came out in haste. They hurried out. They rushed out. There was no time to linger around. There was no time to diddy daddle, piddle paddle. There was no time to do any of that stuff. They had to rush out. And in in um, in the process of rushing out of Egypt, of just grabbing everything and running, so to speak, um, they did not have time to, uh, they did not have time to, uh, leaven their bread. Uh, the, the bread that they would normally bake, uh, wasn't leavened. It was unleavened bread. Now there's a great significance to this. And so, um, leaven, Yeast is 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 leaven, but also there are there is um, baking soda. With a lot of people don't think about baking soda or baking powder or any other um, agent that would cause you know a uh, your food to be uh, more more or less puffed up. Okay, more or less uh, leavened. And now there are foods that are. Um, 
um, made in the factory that is maybe may or may not have leaven in it, but but is kind of leavened, you know, such as uh, different kinds of cereals and so on and so forth. You know, we got the uh, puffed rice and and all this kind of thing. Um, a lot of people believe that that also should be taken out of the home just because that is kind of leavened, even though there is no yeast in it or, you know, that kind of thing is kind of artificially puffed up. It's kind of artificially leavened. A lot of people take those kind of items out of the home as well. Um, So leaven is yeast. So what they, uh, there's a great uh, amount of preparation that is done to get all of the yeast out of your house. A lot of people don't think of things like your toaster, you know, or, uh, you know, uh, in the process of, of, of eating bread or toasting uh, your bread, you know, some of the breadcrumbs would get, get all around in different places, maybe under your stove, oven, you know, under your oven, um, in, in cr- you know, cracks and crevices, uh, all that kind of thing. And uh, traditionally speaking, uh, the Jewish people would go to great lengths to make sure that all of this leaven, even though it's not, Leaven as in 100% yeast, it is bread that has leaven in it or bread crumbs, even the crumbs that have leaven in it. So like to clean out, you know, to clean off, of course, your your um, your countertops uh, or your cupboards that would have any kind of bread crumbs in it or anything else that would be leaven, that would have any kind of uh, crumbs from leavened materials or uh, to get the Bacon soda out of your house, the bacon powder, the, the yeast out of your house. Um, so according to the Torah, you're supposed to get that, clean it all out, okay? Um, now, so, traditionally speaking, the Jewish people, uh, they don't necessarily dispose of it totally, although some of some people would. Um, they would do stuff like, well, they would put it in in an outside shed, or they would put it in their car, or they would do something. They just get it out of their house. Um, so what is the what is the significance of getting leaven out? Well, leaven, of course, you know, leavens, right? It puffs up, as I used that term a few times already. It puffs up. Leaven is a sign or it is a symbol of pride, okay? Uh, so to get all the leaven out of your house when you're cleaning, you think about cleaning your heart as well. Think, think about cleaning your mind. Think about cleaning all of the leaven, maybe not, um, you know, not physical leaven, but spiritual leaven or uh, figuratively speaking, the leaven out of your soul, the pride, the arrogance, completely, just completely cleanse yourself, clean it out of yourself. So when you're, when all is done, uh, you're left with just no, no pride whatsoever, just humility. And to think about it, um, leavened bread, you know, you got a loaf of bread and it may, you know, it may look like, you know, a, a, for lack of a better term, it may look like a brick. Okay. Um, so if that bread is not leavened, it would be very, very heavy. I mean, if you had a brick of unleavened bread, it would be literally very, very heavy. And you couldn't eat very much of it. It would fill you up very fast, okay? You'd be very full very fast. Um, 
And that's the way it is with people too, as well, that are full of, they're, they're very puffed up. Okay. These people that are very puffed up, they look bigger than they, they look heavier than they really are. They're lightweights. Okay. They're not heavy. They're not, um, the meat, the, they're not humble. Okay. And so when you're humble, you look, you look lighter than you really are. You're a heavy person. And if you're a very humble person, just like how uh, unleavened bread, it looks, doesn't look like much, but wow, uh, it really, you, it will really fill you up. It is really heavy in the same way. If you get all of the pride out of your life and if you are a humble man or a humble woman, you're heavy. You're heavy. There's a lot of spiritual weight to you. There's a lot of meaning to you. You have a lot of meaning behind your words. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's very, very important to be humble. The scriptures, the scriptures, um, uh, promises grace to those who are humble, not to the proud. Actually, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that word opposes literally means like in God sets himself up in battle array, like goes to war against the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's really one of the main things of Passover is getting the leaven out physically and spiritually. You know, some of you might say, well, you know, what if I just get it out spiritually, but I don't get it out physically? Well, I mean, that's, you are not really fulfilling uh, the command because uh, the command is to get it out physically as well. And when you do both, when you do something physically, when you do something in the, in the real world, and you do it with meaning and you do it with purpose it brings a whole lot of a whole lot more meaning and purpose to your spiritual walk as well okay so um that's one of the main things now uh there is a um a strict jewish rule now don't get me wrong i'm not saying that everybody should should uh should go by this but if you're not aware of it there's a strict jewish rule that uh you know that um uh, water uh should not be in touch with any kind of grain especially wheat flour or anything like that for any more than like eight minutes because according to them if it's any more than eight minutes then yeast can grow in there without without you even knowing it and so they're very very strict when it comes to this kind of thing and i think that's very important to be strict uh especially uh, well, it be strict physically, but also especially spiritually as well. So it's very, very important to get the leaven out. And I think that uh, if if people, you know, if you guys uh, have not started to do this, at least started to do this, I think it's a good time to start. Um, and, you know, since we don't have a whole lot of time left, don't wait till the last minute. Don't rush, you know, the last minute. Start doing what you what you need to do and cleaning up. Um, wiping things down, vacuuming, doing all, everything you have to do to get all the leaven out and everything that is associated with leaven. Okay. Now, there's another thing here. It's not just that. It is also preparing for the uh, the Passover uh, meal. Um, so, um, just give me a second here. So 
when you're when you prepare for your Passover meal, what you need to do is you need to get a hold of some unleavened bread. Now, you can make your own. Okay, you can make your own as long as you know what you're doing. You might want to look it up a little bit online to see exactly how to do that. I mean, I'm not going to go into all the recipes and show you everything right now. And in that, there's a lot of information online how to make your own unleavened bread for Passover. And I would encourage you to actually look at the Jewish ways of doing it more than you know Messianic or Christian, Hebrew roots, Christian, whatever, because the Jewish way of doing it is actually a, a lot more a lot stricter. I think it's be it's it's better to be on the more strict side than it is to be on the, you know, to be on the more liberal side of things when it comes to this kind of thing. So, one thing you can do is shop for what they call matzot. Matzot or matzah, uh, and uh, this is a Hebrew word that means unleavened bread. It's the unleavened bread that's used for Passover. Now, the unleavened bread that's used for Passover Traditionally speaking, it will say on the package, kosher for Passover, okay? Kosher for Passover. Now, I'm sure uh, you guys saw the uh, thumbnail, especially those of you who are on um, YouTube. You saw the thumbnail of um, the matz matzah, right? It's like a square um, thing that's kind of brown a little bit and it's been, it's got like ho like holes in it and stuff like that. Uh, that is uh, something that you can pick up at the store, especially if you go to a city that has a Jewish community in it. They should have that kind of stuff on, or or kosher stores. They should have that kind of stuff um, in the in the kosher stores. Um, and so that kind of unleavened bread, the matzot, M A T Z O T. M-A-T-Z-O-T, matzot, um, that kind of bread, if it says kosher for Passover, you can pretty much guarantee that it was produced in such a way that it was not, um, it was uh, the, the wheat flour was not in touch with any kind of water for any longer than eight minutes before it was, uh, it was baked. So, um, I'm going to say matzot. Uh, this is how you spell it for those of you who are on YouTube. Matzot, okay? Kosher for Passover. So you can do that. That would be for sure that way you know you got what you need. Um, you, can, you can bake it yourself. Again, you can bake it yourself. As long as you know there is no leaven in it. Um. A few more things that we'll, we'll, we need to get. Now, uh, myself personally, this year I'm not going to, um, you know, slaughter a lamb, okay? I'm not going to do that. Uh, I, I'm going to do it more along the Jewish line of things. I'm going to uh, celebrate the Passover uh, pretty much as a, a Jew would. Um, I believe that Yeshua, if he was here, he would probably do the same thing. Um, I think that we have uh, evidence in the Gospels that he, the Last Supper was actually a Passover meal. I'm going to show that to you guys in just a just a moment. But um, this is a this is a plate that is um, a plate for Passover. Okay, it's got 
It's got six little mini bowls, if you want to put it like that in there. Um, and so uh, what you'd have to do is if you wanted to celebrate like this, you'd have to go to the store, you'd have to buy some of the, uh, some of the things that uh, you would need for such a meal. Uh, some of those, some of the things uh, would be um, horseradish. This is a horseradish for horseradish down here. Uh, romaine hearts as well. You see the picture of the romaine lettuce. Oh, you know, you guys on uh, YouTube, you can't really see that. Um, but yeah, there's a picture of romaine lettuce there with um, uh, horseradish, it says there. Um, that's called maror and... Uh, Hazaret, Hazaret, if I can say that properly. Uh, there's another thing right here, onion, parsley, or potato. And this bowl would be, uh, this is called the kapas, okay? Um, so a little bit of onion, parsley, or potato there. Basically, um, that's part of the uh, feast as well. We also got eggs eggs, hard-boiled eggs up here. Um, and so that is uh, Zeroa, Zeroa. And we have the shank bone. This is for the, uh, the meat, okay? The shank bone is for the meat. Uh, that is, um, and according to the Torah, that would be lamb. Some people uh, substitute lamb for other meats. Uh, some people even use just chicken for that, okay? I know that sounds out of, you know, sounds kind of out of the unorthodox, but that is that is what they do. They use uh, chicken or lamb uh, for the uh, lamb bone, this kind of thing. Okay, so... Um, yeah. Um, sorry, the the egg. I said it's zeroa. It's not zeroa. That was that's the uh, that's the lamb the lamb bone. But the eggs are uh, the beitsa beitsa. Okay, beitsa and uh, and the shank bone is actually the uh, zeroa. Uh, another thing you want to do is you'd want to get some apples and walnut and Grape juice, okay? Uh, grape juice, wine, slash wine. This is all part of the Passover meal. Uh, bitter herbs, okay? And some people would use, let's say, the parsley or... Um, uh, I was just talking about this earlier. Um, like the greens of celery or something like that is very bitter. Right? Celery greens, very bitter. Bitter herbs. Okay, so... Um, oh, another thing too, I kept on saying eight minutes. Um, for the uh, flour, the wheat flour to be in touch with the water. It's not eight minutes, it's 18 minutes. I'm sorry, that was my mistake. And so that's just a little bit of the preparations of, of, of what you would need to have like a traditional kind of Jewish Passover. And this is what I'm going to be doing this, this year, Lord willing. Um, and so those of you who are wanting to do it that way or join along with me, um, that's, uh, that's basically what we're looking at getting. You need like a, uh, it's, that's a basic, like a shopping list of some of the things that you would need. Um, 
Yeah, St. Chantel says eggs represent fertility. Yes. By the way, welcome. Welcome, St. Chantel. Great to see you. Yes, each item of food represents something that's true. Okay. So um, that's that's it in a nutshell of some of the things to do when it comes to um, preparing for uh, this weekend, preparing for Friday, preparing for Passover. So we got the cleaning of the leaven. We have the, uh, you know, stocking up of, a, you don't need a whole lot of horseradish or ro romaine hearts, parsley, or other kind of bitter herbs, um, eggs, lamb, or even chicken, like I said, depending, uh, you know, depending on what you have available. Some people don't have lamb available. And I understand And some people live in apartments, they can't go out and, and you know, uh, slaughter lamb. And again, I'm not going to be doing that myself um, this year. And again, uh, this kind of thing, I think that, uh, you know, uh, God understands it's, it's in a court, you know, you do what you can do. You can, you do what you can do. Uh, it's better, it's better celebrating it, um, with what you have, as opposed to not selling, celebrating it, what, you know, at all. Um, the apples, walnut and grape juice, especially, uh, apples, walnut and grape juice. You need a fair amount of those things. Okay. So, um, that's it in a nutshell. And another thing is too, uh, if you're going to be doing this on your own, which you can do this on your own, uh, you would need a, uh, Haggadah. It's called a Haggadah. And, uh, let me just, I'll just post it for you guys over here on YouTube. You need to get a, uh, so, uh, So Haggadah, that's the word right there, Haggadah. You can purchase a Haggadah or download it, actually. Uh, it Basically what a Haggadah is, is um, actually I got one right, right in front of me right here. It's a book. It's more like a schedule. It's more like a uh, program for the night. And it's Passover, traditionally speaking, uh, celebrating it in, the, in a Jewish way. It is a very lengthy, lengthy uh, service. It's a lengthy feast. As you can see, we got, uh, we got a number of pages here. Um, we've got 150 pages uh, worth of program from beginning to end. I'm talking about like right from the first step. Um, right to the last step, step of the night. For example, it says here, uh, the first step, the first cup, the Kadesh, goes into explaining it all in English as well as Hebrew, talking about the whole thing, what it means, uh, Kadush and Yahats, every step throughout the way, some history here as well. Um, it's just a very, very, it's, it's a long uh, but very rich um, uh, festival, very rich feast. So um, if you don't have one, get yourself a Haggadah um, or you can download it, you know, download it for free. I'm sure on the internet as well. You can probably pick up, pick up some of those, some of that stuff online, um, like uh, Amazon or something like that as well. So that uh, the Haggadah would kind of, that gives you like a, um, an outline of how to do it. Again, if you, let's say you want to do it yourself, 
you know, let's say, you know, you, you, you want to do it by yourself or you want to do it with your family or your friends and, uh, you know, you don't want to follow along with anybody else online, get yourself a Haggadah and, and follow that. There are many different kinds of Haggadahs, by the way. Okay. They're not all the same. Actually, there are many kinds of Haggadahs. Um, uh, I don't know how many there are. All I know is that there are, you know, just because you got a hold of a Haggadah doesn't mean you got a hold of the same Haggadah that anybody else has. Um, I know I, I, in previous years, I've celebrated with a different Haggadah than this. Actually, the Haggadah that I've celebrated with uh, in previous years was actually a lot smaller than this. It was a lot, um, it wasn't, it didn't have so much content as this does. This has got a lot of content, 150 pages worth of content there. So that's another thing you need to know as well. Haggadah. Okay, so um, let me see what we have here in the chat before we get into some of the scripture readings. BB says, Shalom to you and everyone on here tonight. Shalom to you, BB. Welcome. Blessings multiply to you. Question for move. How do you how do I humble myself? And don't know, and I don't mean general humbling. I mean, as humble as David, Daniel, and Job, etc. It's a very good question, um, and it's uh, the word in the Hebrew for humble is very closely related to the word in the Hebrew for afflict or affliction. So, to humble yourself is basically basically to afflict yourself in a one way. I'm not talking about self-mutilation or anything like that. I'm talking about just keeping yourself low, keeping yourself, keeping self down, keep it, keep yourself, um, submissive to God's will, submissive to one another. Okay. To be humble means to, if you're, if you're humble, you can listen easily. Uh, you know, people who are very proud, people are so very full of pride. All they want to do is to be heard and they speak, right? They don't want to listen. Uh, all they want to do is to have other people serve them. They, they're not all that keen on serving other people. They want everybody to love them. They're not all that keen on loving other people, especially loving your enemies. So being humble is all of those things. Loving your enemies, being humble enough to help those that hate you if they need your help, um, being humble enough to serve other people, to think of others before yourself, um, to you know, to be submissive one to another, but most more most importantly, to be submissive to God. Okay, that's being humble. There's a lot of different facets, a lot of different facets of being humble. Um, being real with yourself, not trying to justify sin, openly admit to yourself and to God when you have sinned, not try to cover cover up but to be honest to be open this is how you humble yourself and so yeah just not to exalt yourself not to exalt yourself let other people have a better a better place so to speak a higher place than you and take the lower place in every in every which way. 
And uh, those are, I mean, it's a very, it's a very com, it's a very, it can be very complex to get into all the different, you know, into everything that that may entail. But um, that's what comes to mind right now. Question for move. That's a very, very good question. Thank you for asking. The Great Deception says, I make my own. It's not sold here by me. Yeah, actually, I make, uh, you know, we make our own here as well. One John says, uh, Catholic communion wafers are mutts out, and 99.9% .9 of Catholics don't know this. Yeah. Yeah. Mark says, uh, shouldn't Passover start Thursday the 14th? Um, well, it, it, the only way it, the only way it would start, like maybe certain parts of the world. Um, but I mean, we'll celebrate it, you know, according to the time zone we live in. So that would be the evening of the 15th. But I, you know, again, going to the other side of the world, then you know, you can you can say it starts, um, and you know, it, it could it could overlap. When John said, "I got the our Passover land, a Christian hug enough, forty nine pages from Amazon." Okay, all right, yeah. Yeah, just so you know too, as well. Uh, I like I said, I this is I've never celebrated uh, Passover with this Haggadah, but the other one that I celebrated with, like this, this is a traditional, like this is a Jewish Haggadah as well. Uh, the one that I would typically celebrate with is also a Jewish Haggadah, and, and I would, you know, I would go through it and and. Uh, I would go through it and, and explain about, you know, how Yeshua is, how Yeshua fits into it all. So I, I kind of, you know, interpolate as need be. Mark says the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. So the fourteenth day would be April fifteenth, right? This is not talking about April. There, it's talking about the Hebrew month. Yeah, I mean Leviticus twenty-three. Yeah. Yeah. Just see if we have any more. All right. Okay, so we're gonna uh, actually part of the part of the celebration of Passover is actually dipping bitter herbs into like a salty water kind of thing and eating it and and you know reminiscing and and um, you know thinking about meditating up upon the bitterness of slavery that the uh, uh, the Jewish people or the children of Israel went through uh, while they were in Egypt. And so this is the reason why I believe that um, in Matthew 26, it says he answered, this is, um, this is Yeshua speaking, uh, he answered and said, he who dipped his hand 
with me in the dish will betray me. So that's a very good piece, piece of evidence there that the dipping in the dish was indeed a celebration of a like a Passover Seder kind of thing or a Passover. Because that's exactly what you do at Passover. You take the bitter herbs and you dip it into the dish. Question for Move says, uh, could you explain John 10 where it says scripture can't be broken and Yeshua uses the scripture, I said you are gods. If we aren't gods, then what does this mean? Um, it seems like there are like a, a few questions within one question there. Could you please give me like a, a verse that you want to focus in on? I just want, sorry, just, just to make it clear for everybody else and myself as well. Blessings to you as well over there on TikTok. Great to see you. And Jordan Thomas, good to see you over there on YouTube. Bless, uh, shalom. Blessings, blessings, brother. Hope everything's going well with you. Yeah, so um, we're going to read from First Chronicles 23, First Chronicles 24, 25, and a few of the Psalms as well. For those of you who are just joining us on TikTok, I know we have hundreds of people just kind of dropping in throughout the evening as we go along. Um, uh, we have been going through the entire Bible. I've, I have always thought to myself when I, when I, when I, you know, years ago going to church, I used to go to church and go, why, you know, a lot of most 90 some odd percent of the Bible you never hear in church. And you should, if there's anything you should hear in church, it's the scriptures, right? And I've, I've always kind of daydreamed about a church that would actually read through the whole Bible, like publicly, instead of just, um, you know, cherry picking verses here, passages here and there, and just preaching a whole, you know, like how they usually do, you know, they usually just take a passage here and a verse there and just make a whole huge, you know, self-help kind of, uh, uh, you know, inspirational teaching on it. But instead of doing that, reading the scriptures and putting them first and foremost, giving them rightful place and, uh, and going through the entire Bible. I have never went through the entire Bible in a church. No pastor. And I've been through several different churches. Not once, not one pastor out of the many pastors that I've sat under, uh, never once did a pastor go through the entire Bible with me or with any the congregation. And that's a that's a shame. They should. They absolutely should. Yes, we did have Bible studies sometimes, but the Bible studies weren't very deep and they weren't very meaty. Um, what can you say? You, you only get a little bit. You only get a little bit. But this is one of the reasons why we're going through. And I know sometimes it may be a long, it seem, might seem like a long process here that we're doing, but hey, in the long run, it'll pay off. We go through the entire entirety of scripture. And I'll tell you right now, uh, you know, Lord willing, um, I'd like to do this all the time. We'll go through the entire, the, the entire Bible Going at this rate, if we keep going at this rate, we will go. We will get through the entire Bible, and probably even the Apocrypha by the end of the summer. Okay, so we'll get through the entire Bible plus the Apocrypha by the end of the summer. 
going at this rate. So far, we went through. I, I went through the entire uh, New Testament, and uh, we from was it like September until now. We went from like First John all the way through into where we are right now in in Chronicles. So um, we're we're plugging right along. One John says, uh, who was the author of your Haggadah? It seems a lot more comprehensive than mine. Uh, okay, so by Nathan Englander. Edited, okay, excuse me. Edited by Jonathan Safran Four, with a translation by Nathan Englander. I'm not sure if you can read that or not. Uh, I don't think, maybe you can't. No. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. It's um it's published by a publishing company called Little Brown or Little Comma Brown. Little in Brown. Um Seems like a whole bunch of people actually put it together. On on the spine it says edited by Jonathan Safran Four, F O E R with a translation by Nathan Englander. Uh, on the front, though, it says designed by Oded Azer, timeline by Mia Sarah Brook, commentaries by Nathaniel Dutch, Dutch, uh, Jeffrey Goldberg, um, Rebecca Newberger Goldstein, and Lemony Snicket. Snicket. There's several different names on here, but uh, yeah. That's what it looks like. New American Haggadah. In case you're wondering what I have there. Yeah, it's very, I, I like I said, I, I haven't been through this one yet. Uh, and it is quite a book. It's, it seems to be very, uh, very meaty. That's for sure. 150 pages worth. So question for move, John 10, 35, New King James. I'm not sure. Question for me before I, before I go in to answer your question, uh, I can't. I cannot um, do this justice. I can't do your your answer justice without uh, telling you about um, what you should do. Is you should check out my video on the Gospel of John. And uh, I mean, if you, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if you were with us during that video, but if you, if you weren't, and if you haven't seen it, I very, uh, I encourage you to, uh, to check it out. Um, because the Gospel of John is a very uh, unique, to say the least, uh, gospel. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different things about the Gospel of John that is, that we should, I, I, as I always say, it's questionable, okay? Because the Gospel of John was written so late because of the, uh, I mean, there's lots of different things. Like Polycarp being the disciple of John never mentioned the Gospel of John. So that, you know, there's a lot of different evidence that, that scholars lead, lead scholars to believe that the Gospel of John was not written by the John of the, like the John, disciple John, but rather perhaps even a different John or multiple authors uh, sometime late in the second century. Which, which really, uh, it really, um, you know, is kind of out of its league, out or out of the league of the 
the gospel, like Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So there's a lot to say about the gospel of John. So when you read the gospel of John, you need to read it with a grain of salt. Okay. I think it's very, very important to do that. Um, so just to answer your question, I'll start at verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good, good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those, for which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work, we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. Okay, that's in Psalm 82. Uh, quote, if, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, it cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent to the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God? Okay, so he goes on to say, okay, so... Um, There's a lot here. Again, this is this this can get into a deep study all all in and by itself. But I want to make it as as as, as fast here as possible. Um, first of all, know the Gospel of John. Know its know the problems of the Gospel of John. Let me just say it that way. There are a lot of problems, and I I dealt with that in a different video. Okay, so take it with a grain of salt. 93% of the Gospel of John was not is not in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Okay. For one reason or another, Matthew, Mark, or Luke did not write 93% of what John wrote. Whether they didn't know it, whether it just didn't happen, whether they whether they knew it or they thought they didn't think it was important enough to write it down. One of those reasons. It, it there there has to there is a reason. Ninety three percent of the Gospel of John is not in the other synoptic Gospels. Okay, so again, I'm not going to get into all that right now. But another thing is you need to understand is the word God in the in the Hebrew L does not always refer to the God. Okay, um, in the in the Tanakh, Nebuchadnezzar is called God L. Okay, um, a lot of you got the uh, the typical Christian prophecy that says, um, I think I believe it's Isaiah chapter nine verse six, just off the top of my head, when uh, you know it talks about that uh, um, you know his name shall be called Mighty God, Prince of Peace, these kind of things. That same Mighty God, the, the God in that Hebrew text is the same word that's used to describe Nebuchadnezzar. And so what do I mean by that? The word, the word God or El in Hebrew, it means power. It means authority. It can, it can be talking about a judge, not, not about the God of the universe, but rather a judge, um, a powerful person, a strong, mighty man can be called, like Nebuchadnezzar, a, a political ruler, can be called El, God. Okay, so where it says in Psalm eighty-six, excuse me, eighty-two, verse six, "You are gods," meaning 
you are powerful. You as a people, the people of God, the people of Israel, you are judges. Like how uh, Yeshua even said to his 12 disciples, uh, I will make you 12 judges. I will make you 12 L's as it would, as it were, uh, to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. So again, that's what it means. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with being God or like God as the new age people like to put it. It's, it just, it means just someone who is, uh, has authority or power, um, be it even a judge, political ruler, even a prince in the original Hebrew it can mean prince as well. Those, those things are all um, uh, what the word El or God means in the Hebrew. So I hope that helps. Uh, question for move. Very good question. Psalm 119. Welcome. Good to see you. I uh, never like the self-help type messages. These messages aren't to help anyone the way actual the way actually studying the word does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've said this to you know. There's a guy that lives not too far from me actually, and he's like one of the elders, I believe he is, in, in, in a mainline, you know, mainstream denominational church. And uh, you know, I've said to him. Um, you know, hey, you know what? Church, church is all. It's just a social group that you go to, and uh, you know the, the the pastor. All he does is preach self help, you know, messages. Almost it's just like take a Tony Robbins self help message and just drizzle it with a little bit of scripture and make it sound good, and make it look good, and there you got it. There's mainstream Christianity. Jordan Jordan Thomas says excited for what's to come, especially Deuteronomy. Now, Psalm 119 says, I would never want to be put on a pedestal the way many of these quote unquote pastors are. Yeah, you know, in a lot of a lot of Christians, they do not really serve God, do they? Like they don't really serve God. They serve, they don't worship God. They don't worship God. They worship their church. They worship their denomination. They don't follow Jesus. They follow their pastor. And that's the truth. Unfortunately, that's the truth. And it's it's sad actually because you know these churches have you know they are um, they're so far from from the true from the truth of of God. Eh? They, they they make a program into it. They make an organization out of it. So it's just so far from the truth. Jordan Thomas says clarification. Not sure if we gone over Deuteronomy yet. Yes, actually, we have. We went through the entire book of Deuteronomy, every single word, Jordan. Yeah, Psalm 119. It's always my pastor this, my pastor that. What about the creator of it all? Yes, you know, that's it. Exactly. You know, just a few days ago, I spoke to somebody from another denominational church. Uh, I actually spoke to this person on the phone and uh this person was the same way it was like you know 
Hey, guess what's happening at my church? It's just so awesome things happening at my church. We got a new, we got a new youth pastor and we got a lot of people coming to my church. And, you know, we have, uh, you know, a lot of uh, families that are coming now and, you know, younger people are coming to my church and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like, isn't that great? Look what's going on at my church. It's like all about the church, not about really, not really about God. It's all about church doctrine and about and about the church thing and not really scripture. Absolutely. All right. So, um, speaking of scripture, let's let's get into some scriptures. First uh, Chronicles twenty three. We're going to read 1 Chronicles 23, 24, 25, and several Psalms as well. So it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to some of the scripture that we're going to get into here. All right, let's start. This is 1 Chronicles chapter 23. Now, when David reached old age, he made his son Solomon king over Israel. And he gathered together all the leaders of Israel with the priests and the Levites. The Levites were counted from 30 years old and upward, and their number by head, by head count of men, was 38,000. Of 24,000 were to, were to oversee the work of the house of the Lord, and 6,000 were officers and judges. And 4,000 were gatekeepers, and 4,000 were praising the Lord with instruments which David made for giving praise. I don't know, but I would, I would love to use to praise the Lord with an instrument that, that David actually made for giving praise. I dare say that would beat like, you know, for those of you who, you know, are into guitars and such, to play an instrument that David made would probably... I dare say that would beat like, you know, playing, you know, a Les Paul or, you know, or uh, um, an original B3 organ or something like that. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. And I'm wondering, you know, I wonder sometimes if, if any of these instruments are still around, because like I said, if I had an instrument like this, if I had a relic from, the, from, from ancient, like, you know, from one of the ancient patriarchs, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't be publicly displaying it. I'd be hiding it because you don't want, you know, you know what would happen, right? You know, everybody wants to dip their hands in or come and see it or whatever else. Verse six, David divided them into divisions according to the sons of Levi or Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Of the Gershonites, there were Ladan and Shimai. The Ladan were Yahiel, the first, Zetham, and Yoel, three. The sons of Shimai were Shelemoth, Haziel, and Haran, three. These were the heads of the father's households of Ladan. The sons of Shimai were Yahath, Zina, Yaush, and Berea. These four were the sons of Shemai. Yahath was the first, and Ziza the second, and Yahush, and Berea did not have many sons. So they became a father's household, one group for duty. The sons of Kohath were 
four in number, Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel. The sons of Amram were Aaron and Moses. And Aaron was set apart to sanctify him as most holy. He and his sons forever to burn incense before the Lord, to serve him and bless in his name forever. But as for Moses, the man of God, his sons were named among the tribe of Levi. The sons of Moses were Gershom and Eliezer. The son of Gershom was Shebuel, the chief. The son of Eliezer was Rehbiah, the chief. And Eliezer had no other sons, but the, uh, but the sons of Rehbiah were very many. The son of Ishar was Shalemoth, the chief. The sons of Hebron were Yeriah, the first, Amariah, the second, Yehaziel, the third, and Yakamim the fourth. The sons of Uziah were Mikah, the first, and Eshiah, the second. The sons of Merari were Mahli and Mushi. The sons of Mahli were Eliezer and Kish. Eliezer died and had no sons, but only daughters. So their relatives, the sons of Kish, took them as wives. The sons of Mushi were three, Mahli, Eder, and Yerimoth. These were the sons of Levi according to their father's households. The heads of the father's households, those among who, who were counted in the number of names by their head count, doing work for the service of the house of the Lord from 20 years old and upward, said, the Lord God of Israel has given rest to his people and he dwells in Jerusalem or Jerusalem forever. Also, the Levites will will no longer need to carry the tabernacle and all its utensils for its service. For by the last words of David, the sons of Levi or Levi were counted from 20 years old and upward. For their office is to assist the sons of Aaron with the service of the house of the Lord in the courtyards and in the chambers, purification of all the things and the work of the service of the house of God, and with the, the, with the showbread, and the fine flour for a grain offering, and unleavened wafers. And what is baked in the pan, or what is mix, well mixed, in all measures of volume and size, they are to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise at evening, and to offer all burnt offerings to the Lord, on the Sabbaths, the new moons, and appointed festivals, in the number determined by the ordinance concerning them, continually before the Lord. So they are to perform the duties of the tent of meeting, the holy place, and of assisting the sons of Aaron, their relatives, for the service of the house of the Lord. First Chronicles chapter 24. A little bit on the slower side here. Sorry about that. Now, the divisions of the descendants of Aaron were these. The sons of Aaron were Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no sons. And Eliezer and Ithamar served as priests. David with Sadok of the sons of Eliezer and Ahimelech of the sons of Ithamar divided them according to their offices for their ministry. Since more chief men were found from the descendants of Eliezer, then the descendants of Ithamar, 
they divided them this way. There were six, 16 heads of the father's households of the descendants of, of Eliezer and eight of the descendants of Ithamar, according to their families or their father's households. So they divided by lot. They were divided by lot, the one as of the other, for they were officers of the sanctuary and officers of God, both from the descendants of Eliezer and the descendants of Ithamar. Shemaiah, the son of Nathanael, the scribe from the Levites, recorded them in, in the presence of the king, the leaders, Zadok, the priest, Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, and the the heads of the father's households of the priests and the Levites, one father's household taken for Eliezer and one taken for Ithamar. Now the first lot came out for Yehoiarib, the second for Yediah, the third for Harim, the fourth Serorim, the fifth Malkiah, the sixth Miamin, the seventh, Hakoz, the eighth, Abiyah, the ninth, Yeshua, the tenth, Shekiniah, the eleventh, Eliashib, the twelfth for Yakim, the thirteenth for Hupa, the fourteenth for Yeshabiab, the fifteenth for Bilgah, the 16th for Emer, the 17th for Hazir, the 18th for Hapizes, Hapizes. What a name that is, isn't it? Hapizes. The, the 19th for Pethahiah, the 20th for Yehezkel. That's, that's, that's actually a different form of the, the name Ezekiel, Yehezkel. The 21st for Yakin, the 22nd for Gamul, the 23rd for Deliah, the 24th for Maziah. Ma These were their offices for their ministry when they entered the house of the Lord, according to the ordinance given to them through their father Aaron, just as the Lord God of Israel had commanded him. Now, for the rest of the sons of Levi, the sons of Amram, Shubal, of the sons of Shubaal, Yediah, of Rahabiah, of the sons of Rahabiah, Eshiah, the first of the Israelites, Shalemoth, of the sons of Shalemoth, Yahath, the sons of Hebron, Yariah, the first, Amariah, the second, Yahath, the third, Yechamayim, the fourth, of the sons of Uziel, Mika, of the sons of Mika, Shamir, the brother of Mika, Ishia, of the sons of Ishia, Zechariah, or Zechariah, the sons of Merari, Mahli, and Mushi, the sons of Yaziah, Beno, the sons of Merari by Yaziah were Beno, Shahom, Zakur, and Ibri. By Mahli, Eliezer had had uh, Eliezer had no sons. By Kish, the sons of Kish, Yerameel, the sons of Mushi, Mahli, Eder, Yerimoth. These were the sons of the Levites according to their fathers' households. These also cast lots just as their relatives, the sons of Aaron did in the presence of David the king. 
Zadok, Ahimelech, and the heads of the father's households, of the priests and of the Levites, the head of father's households, as well as those of his younger brother. First Chronicles chapter 25. Moreover, David and the commanders of the army set apart for the service some of the sons of Asaph, or Asaph, Haman, and Yaduthun, who were to prophesy with lyres, harps, and cymbals. Notice, it's very interesting. And this is, uh, it's amazing. You prophesy with instruments. Hey, Jordan, if you're still there, prophesy with the keyboard. Prophesy with the piano. Prophesy with instruments. It's not an awesome, that's an awesome concept. And that's prophesying without your tongue, right? That's prophesying without words. That's prophesying with just music. And the number of those who performed this service was of the sons of Asaph, Zakur, Yosef, Nathaniah, Ash, Asharelah, of the son of Asaph, were under the direction of Asaph, who prophesied under the direction of the king of Yaduthon, the sons of Yaduthon, Gedaliah, Ziri, Yeshaya, Shimai, Hashabiah, Metithiah, um, six under the direction of their father Yeduthun with the harp, who prophesied in giving thanks and praising the Lord. Of Haman, the sons of Haman, Bukiah, Mataniah, Uziel, Shebuel, Yerimoth, Hananiah, Hanani, Eliatha, Gidalti, and Romamtiezer, Yashbekasha, Malathi, Hothir, and Mahazioth. All these were the sons of Haman, the king's seer, to exalt him according to the words of God. For God gave 14 sons and three daughters to Haman. All of these were under the direction of their father to sing in the house of the Lord with cymbals and harps and lyres for the service of the house of God. Asaph, Yeduthun, and Haman were the direction of the king. Their number, their number who were trained in singing to the Lord and their relatives, all of all who were skillful were 288. They cast lots for their duties, all alike, the small as well as the great, the teacher as well as the pupil. Now the first lot came out for Asaph to Joseph, the second for Gadaliah. He with his relatives and his sons were twelve. To the third, or the third to Zakur, his sons and his relatives twelve. The fourth to Isri, his sons and relatives twelve. The fifth to Nathaniah, his sons and relatives twelve. The sixth to Bukiah, his sons and relatives twelve. The seventh to Yeshurela, his sons and relatives twelve. The eighth to Jeshiah, his sons and relatives, 12. The ninth to Mathaniah, his sons and relatives, 12. The tenth to Shimai, his sons and relatives, 12. The eleventh to Azarel, his sons, 12. The twelfth to 
Hashabiah, his sons and relatives, 12. The 13th to Shubael, his sons and relatives, 12. The 14th to, uh, excuse me, for the 14th, Matathiah, his sons and relatives, 12. For the 15th to Yeremoth, his sons and relatives, 12. For the 16th to Hananiah, his sons and relatives, 12. For the, seven, for the 17th to Yashbekasha, his sons and relatives, 12. To the, uh, for the 18th to Hanani, his sons and relatives, 12. For the 19th to Malothi, his sons and relatives, 12. For the 20th to Eliatha, his sons and relatives, 12. For the 21st to Hothir, his sons and relatives, 12. For the 22nd to Gidalti, his sons and relatives, 12. For the 23rd to Mahazioth, his sons and relatives, 12. And the 24th to Romamti Ezer, his sons and relatives, 12, 12. Awesome, awesome. Let me see here what we got before we get too far into... Um, so someone asks here on TikTok, is going the gym worthy? Um, could you please rephrase that? Could you please rephrase that question? Just to make it clearer, please. Yeah, Jordan Thomas over there said, that would be amazing. I can only imagine. <laughs> prophesy, prophesy with those instruments. Can you imagine, Jordan, can you imagine just playing like, just playing, if it's just, let's say just even an instrumental song in, in playing, and it's like, that was a prophecy of God. That was a prophecy of God. Awesome. And thanks for the like over there on Podbean. By the way, those of you who are watching or listening on Podbean, I am streaming live as well via video on YouTube and on TikTok. If you just if you're interested in seeing the video of this live stream, go on over to YouTube, search for Christopher Enoch or even on TikTok as well. However, YouTube is is uh, it's better because it's got um, I I can share my screen and it's got features that TikTok doesn't have. Yeah, thank you again for the likes there over there on Podbean. I appreciate it. One John asks a good question. Are there any documents that show how the Psalms were sung? Are there any modern recordings of it? As far as I know, One John, I actually I looked into that years ago. And as far as I know so far, the answer is no and no. Nobody knows for sure. We can basically just speculate. But that would be awesome as well. Can you imagine? Maybe we can ask for that. I mean, you know, Lord willing, you know, we get to heaven and we can say, hey, Lord, you know, one thing, I, could you replay? Could you replay David playing on the harp? Or Yeshua singing those psalms? I'd like to know how he sung that. Did he use instruments? And if he did, what were the chords and the notes that were played? Hmm, very, very interesting. 
Well, Senior says, Shalom, everyone. As usual, driving home from work and listening. Welcome, Will. Good to see you. The Brick Train asked a good question. Now, for those of you who are just wondering, I will be getting, getting into the Psalms in just a few minutes. So um, it's always a awesome, awesome read to read some of the Psalms. Talk about prophecy, some really good prophetic meat in the Psalms. We will get to that in just a moment here, but let's see what we got here. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I just saw this pop up here. Uh, Jordan Thomas says, I'll probably give an arm and a leg to hear that. Wow, could you imagine that? Yeah, and like front row seat in that in that concert, that's for sure. I'll save you a seat, Jordan, if I get there. I get there before you, I'll save you a seat. Okay, Brick Train says, um, could you please speak out about the, the canon status about the Shepherd of Hermas and the Epistle of Barnabas and why they are not in the Bible? Yeah, well, this is a big, big question because the whole topic of Bible canon is a very abstract topic in the sense that it's every different church like we can we have 12 different uh we protestant church the catholic church and at least 10 different orthodox churches have their own canons and so the whole the whole concept of bible canon is misleading so let me, I'll just start with that, okay? I mean, the whole concept of Bible canon is misleading. It's not of God. Bible canon is not of God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about the books within the canon. I'm talking about the canon itself. God never commanded any man to put X number of books or give any man a list of books and say, use the, use the, take these books and... Put them together in one compilation, in one collection, and call it the Holy Bible. That's a thing that man did. That's not a thing that God commanded. I always like to point out the fact that when Yeshua walked this earth in the flesh, there was no Bible canon per se. There was no Holy Bible. These books existed separately on separate scrolls for the most part, with the exception of, you know, first of all, like some of the minor prophets were kept together and some of the Ketavim and a few, few of the books were kept together. But generally speaking, each book was kept separate from the other. You know, we read in Luke chapter 4, when Yeshua went to the synagogue, the, the scroll of Isaiah was handed to him. Not the King James Bible, not any kind of holy, uh, holy Bible, not the Geneva Bible, not the NIV, or any uh, any kind of other Bible, not even this, the Codex Sinaiticus was handed to him. Not the Codex Venicatus, or, or yeah, the Codex Vaticanus, um, the 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 uh, any of the 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 other excuse me any of the other codexes none of those ancient Bibles were handed him it was the scroll of Isaiah that tells us that each book was kept separately on in on separate scrolls just like how they were in the Dead Sea Scrolls and Yeshua had no problem with that he had absolutely no problem with that 
He never complained about it. He never told any of his disciples or anyone else, not even the Pharisees, hey, you guys got all these books scattered around in your library in the synagogue. You need to put it all together in one book and call it the Holy Bible. Never, right? So the concept of Bible canon is misleading. And the idea of putting all, all the books together into one book is also misleading because it gives you the idea that all books are equal when they're not. They're not equal at all. And this is why there are so many people who bend over backwards to, to fabricate elaborate stories and explanations of, of how one book cannot contradict another. No, it does contradict. I mean, let's just face reality. It does contradict. And it's okay that it contradicts because we're not talking because the whole idea of trying to reconcile contradictions in the Bible is all based upon the idea of the Bible canon. To anybody who doesn't idolize or worship or serve a Bible canon, it doesn't make any difference if Mark said that, you know, Abiathar was the high priest when, when David, you know, took the bread. And But the truth of the matter is in the Tanakh, it was Ahimelech. I mean, so we got contradictions left, right, and center. So it doesn't matter. If we don't have a Bible canon, we have nothing to try to protect. Instead, we have separate books. So we can say, ah, oh, Mark was wrong there. No problem. You know, does that mean that the whole entire book of Mark is bad? No, it just means he was wrong there. Same with other things, okay? So without getting too much into the whole thing about Bible canons, you because of the fact you mention the Shepherd of Hermas and the Epistle of Barnabas, I'm pretty, pretty sure you mentioned those two books because of the canon, you are aware of the canon of the Codex Sinaiticus, the oldest Bible known to man, the Codex Sinaiticus. In the New Testament, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, in the New Testament, in the oldest Bible on earth, the, the Shepherd of Hermas and the Epistle of Barnabas is there in the New Testament. So how come, why are they not in the Bible today? Well, <laughs> We don't have any conclusive evidence of who decided what books go into the Bible. All we know is, like, again, we know that God did not command it. At least there's no, no record anywhere in the scriptures or even, you know, even extra biblical books and, and extra biblical works have no record anywhere, to, to the best of my knowledge, of God ever commanding anybody to put together a collection of books and call it the Holy Bible. Therefore, we have many different Bibles with, with different books in it. The Codex Sinaiticus has the Shepherd of Hermas and the Epistle of Barnabas in the New Testament. Um, quite frankly, I, I, would, I would take the Shepherd of Hermas over the Epistles of Paul any day. 
I think if, if you're going to have a Bible canon, which again, I don't really believe in Bible canons because it's not really biblical. It's not, it's not, it's not God. It's not really of God. It's of man. But if you're going to have a Bible canon, I would rather have the Shepherd of Hermas than the, than the Epistles of Paul. The Shepherd of Hermas is just so, so good, so rich. Now, the Epistle of Barnabas is another story. The Epistle of Barnabas, well, you can tell he was a, he was a buddy of Paul um, by the way he wrote. Actually, if you didn't know better, if, you know, if you, if you, to somebody who, who's never read the Bible before, and if you put Epistle of Paul on that, on, on a Barnabas's uh, epistle, if you put Paul's name on it, nobody would know the difference. That's how much it's similar to Paul. It is a little bit different, but it's so similar, nobody would know unless, unless you really knew. Um, I don't put a whole lot of weight on the, on the epistle of Barnabas. However, I think it's an awesome book and everybody should read it. I put a whole lot more weight on the Shepherd of Hermas because it's a whole lot more in, in line with the rest of Scripture. Why it's not in, in the Bible, as far as I know, nobody knows why it's not in the Bible. Nobody knows how it slipped through the fingers of Bible publishers. We don't know. I don't think there's any records as to who made that decision or why it was made, or, or maybe it was just, just forgotten. Maybe it was just forgotten. Oh, I forgot, oh, forgot about it. You know, and then like a thousand some odd years later, hey, the Codex, Sinaiticus, the Codex, Codex Sinaiticus resurfaces from, you know, the, uh, the, the monastery on Mount Sinai. And there it is. It's like, oh, yeah, man, I forgot about the Shepherd of Hermas and the, the Epistle of Barnabas. And so, yeah. Um, That's all I can, that's really all I can say about the matter without getting into too much detail here. The, uh, the brick train says, I'm thinking about talking to my pastor about accepting them in our congregation. Well, it would be awesome if he did. Um, I'm not sure what your pastor is like, but normally pastors are, are very close to any kind of thing like that from, especially from a, if, I'm not sure if you're a lay person or a clergy, if you're part of the, the staff or whatever, but um, normally it's, it's, it's not, it's almost impossible to, uh, you know, for the influence to go backwards. It's usually the pastor to the people. It's usually from the priest to the people, as it says, in the, actually it says in the Tanakh, uh, it, it like priests, like people. If I can pull that up for a second. Um, let me see here. Yeah, it's Hosea 4.9, and there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doing. So, like people, like priests. Yeah, Will Sr., uh, Psalm 82.5, they do not know or understand. They wander in the darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I have said, you are God's. You are all sons of the Most High, but, I like that, but in there, but like mortals, you will die, and like rulers, you will fall. Just another interesting verse on this topic. Yes, thank you for sharing that as well. That's, that's awesome. 
And that's to go to say, like, again, every, every, every time it says God in the scriptures, like you are gods, you are, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the God, like, again, in the case of Nebuchadnezzar as well, in the Hebrew, that's what it, it actually, it actually calls him, um, it actually calls him God. I uh, see we got we got cigar smoking David over there on TikTok. Hey cigar smoking David, how are you doing? I was looking for you the other night. You said you said you'll you'll debate me anytime and I said, "Okay, let's come on." You know, I gave you a, a, about 5 minutes after you said that. I said, "Let's come on." I gave you lots of time. No no show. No show. What is this? Somebody who just comes around and slanders somebody and then takes off? Yeah, I I get that all the time. I know what these people are like. You guys remember David? David, smart cigar smoking David, who come on here and says that I'm, I don't know, I even forget what he, what he, he all the litany of a laundry list of accusations of uh, slander against me. Brick Train says, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. Very good question. Come on, Davey. Come on, David. You want to come on? Invitation is still open, David. Make sure you bring a cigar. All right. Psalm 131. Psalm 131. Let's do this. Psalms are awesome. Childlike trust in the Lord. Beautiful. A song of ascents of David. Lord, my heart is not proud nor my, my eyes arrogant, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. I have certainly soothed and quieted my soul like a weaned child resting against his mother. My soul within me is like a weaned child. Israel, wait for the Lord from this time on and forever. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Psalm 138. Psalm 138. All right, it's a little bit slow here. A Psalm of David. I will give thanks. I will, I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your mercy and your truth. For you have made your word great according to all your name. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth will give thanks to you, Lord. When they have heard the words of your mouth, and they will sing the ways of the Lord, of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord, for the Lord is exalted. Yet he looks after the lowly, but he knows the haughty from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will reach out 
with your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And your right hand will save me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your faithfulness, Lord, is everlasting. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Hmm. Very, very awesome. Let's see what we have here. Yeah, we see Davy did exactly what he did what he did the other night there. Just for those of you who don't know, Davy was on and seems like was. I'm not sure exactly right now because just like how I did the other night, you just come on, come on, slander me and take off. Slander me and take off. The this is this is the problem with David, right? He slanders me. Because I preach holiness, I preach personal holiness, I preach obedience, and he is not holy, and he is not obedient. Therefore, deep within his heart of hearts, he hates me. That's why he's slandering me all the time here. If, he's, if he was really honest, he would stick around and listen. Jordan says, I have struggled with the following. How can Yeshua be God and the Son of God simultaneously? Well, he can't. Um, I mean, I put it this way, you know, Yeshua is not the father. He is not the father. Okay? You say he's the son, but he's not the father. So um, he's the son of the father, but not the father. As I was reading the Psalms there, St. Chantel says, Amen, Amen. Great, awesome. All right, let's see what else we got here. We have Psalm 139 coming up. Psalm 139 coming up. For the music director, a Psalm of David. Lord, you have searched and known me. Okay, you know what? Before I get before I read this, let me let me explain this. I have thought about this a lot because Psalm 139 is the Psalm of like the omnipresence of God. At least it is used primarily to back up the idea of the omnipresence of God. Like the God is everywhere all the time. However, if you think about it, Right from the very beginning, God walked out of the garden and Adam and Eve sinned, and then God walked back into the garden. If he was everywhere all the time, how could that happen? Moses, he prayed in his passionate prayer, Lord, do not send us anywhere unless you go with us. That would be absurd. That would be that that whole prayer would be wrong if God was everywhere all the time. We have in Genesis chapter eighteen, if I if my memory serves me correctly, where um, God heard the cries of those um, few holy precious saints in. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and he said, I hear the, these prayers, uh, I, I hear the, these cries out against Sodom and Gomorrah, let us go down and see whether or not the things that 
that we hear of is true or not. Let's go see if 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 the prayers, if, you know, that's coming to us, that's coming, uh, if the prayers of the people are, uh, are it, you know, is true. You know, so if God is everywhere all the time, why would God say that? Why would God say that? So the question is, what, Psalm 139, which we're, we're, we are about to read, it sounds like God is everywhere all the time. right? If I go down to the pit, you are there. If I go up to heaven, you are there. Yada, yada, yada. My, the way I look at it, my question is this. Who wrote this psalm? Is this psalm for Joe Blow that lives across the way? Is this is this is this psalm, you know, for you know John Henry that lives you know in the next block over from you? Who's speaking here? And so the answer is, it's David. It's the anointed one of God. It's one of the you know most anointed um, men of God that lived especially in the Tanakh. It's David that spoke. So if the, if the presence of God was in David, if the Spirit of God was in David, which very well could have been, then that makes sense. If David says, if I go over there, you're with me. If I go over there, I, you know, if you're there too. You're going to go over there, you're with me over there too. Why? Because God never left David. God remains with David. Not that God will never leave Joe Blow. Or God would never leave John Henry. Joe Blow and John Henry may not have God at all with them. God is with his precious people, his, his, uh, his anointed ones, right? He's with David. So that doesn't necessarily mean that he's everywhere all the time. He's with David all the time. No matter where David goes, he, David will find him there because he's, he's, he never leaves David's side, basically. So Psalm 139, verse 1, Lord, you have searched me. Again, this is David speaking. Okay, You have searched me and known me. Now, again, uh, keep in mind that this could also be applied to Yeshua himself. This is the word of God. Yeshua is the word of God. Just as in many of the other Psalms, we have, uh, you know, Yeshua speaking first person. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You understand my thought from far away. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all. You have encircled me behind and in front and placed your hand upon me. That's, I mean, this is, this is a key point here. And this is David. Uh, slash Yeshua, um, confirming that God is with him, around him, his parakletos, if you want to put it that way, in the Greek, God is with him no matter where he goes. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high, I cannot comprehend it. Where can I go from your spirit? Well, no wonder, because you're, because the Spirit of God is with the anointed David. 
the anointed Yeshua. The Spirit of God is with them no matter where they go. The Spirit of God, most likely in them, with them, around them, everywhere. They are saturated with the Spirit of God. Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave, you are, behold, you are there. If I take up the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will take hold of me. Again, you see, God's right hand and God's spirit is not around every Tom, Dick, and Harry, okay? He's with his anointed. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the darkness and light are alike to you. For you created my innermost parts, you wove me in my mother's womb, I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully from the depths of the earth. Again, this is this is a euphemism. This is like a um, this, this is a figure of speech talking about being formed in the womb. Your eyes have such formless substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me when I was yet. When as yet, there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts for me, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am, I am still with you. Again, this, this is talking about resurrection. It's talking about resurrection. This is Yeshua speaking in first person, talking about the resurrection. When I awake. Remember Yeshua, when he went to, when he went to raise the dead, he, was, he said, I'm going to go wake her up. I'm going to go wake him up. Well, if he's, if he's sleeping, you know, he's, he's okay. Yeshua, then Yeshua had to say, no, no, you don't understand. Yeah, they're dead. But when I say wake up, I'm talking about resurrection. Verse 19, if only you would put the wicked to death, God, Leave me, you men of bloodshed, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart, and put me to test, and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there is any hurtful or way of pain in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Lead me in the everlasting way. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Coming up, Psalm 143. 143. Psalm 143, a Psalm of David. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my pleadings. Answer me in your faithfulness, in your righteousness, 
And do not enter into judgment with your servant, for your for no person living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground, he has made me dwell in dark places like those who have been uh, that long been dead. Therefore, my spirit feels weak within me. My heart is appalled within me. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your accomplishments. I reflect on your on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a weary land. Selah. Answer me quickly. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be the same. Same as those who go down the pit. Again, this is talking about the grave, the pit. Let me hear your faithfulness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk. For to you I lift up my soul. Save me, Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For the sake of your name, Lord, revive me. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. In your faithfulness, destroy my enemies and eliminate all those who attack my soul. For I am your servant. Psalm 145, or 144, excuse me. A Psalm of David. Blessed be the Lord, my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. My faithfulness and my fortress, my stronghold and my savior, my shield and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you look after him or or son of man that you think of him? Man is like the breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bend down your heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains that they may smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and confuse them. Reach out your hand from on high. Rescue me and save me from great waters, from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak deceit and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. God. I will sing a new song to you. On a harp of ten strings, I will pray, I will sing praises to you, who gives salvation to kings, who rescues his servant David from the evil sword. Rescue me and save me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouth speaks deceit, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. When our sons in their youth are like growing plants and our daughters like corner pillars fashioned for a palace, our granaries are full, providing every kind of produce, and our flocks deliver thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be bred without mishap and without loss. May there be no outcry in our streets. Blessed are the people who are so situated. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 145. 
a song of praise of David. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation will praise your works to another, and will declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on yours I will meditate. People will speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They will burst forth in speaking of your abundant goodness, and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. All your works will give thanks to you, Lord, your God, and your godly ones will bless you. They will speak the glory of your kingdom and talk of your might to make known to the sons of mankind your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in his words and holy in all his works. The Lord supports all who fall and raises up who are bowed down, all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you. You give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry for help and save them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but he will destroy all the wicked. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. What a powerful powerful and beautiful psalm that is powerful and beautiful awesome once again those of you who are on tiktok and podbean i am live streaming simultaneously right now to many different platforms youtube facebook twitter vk d live twitch uh and several others as well uh and so uh if you if you were, if you are interested in joining me when I'm reading the scriptures, I do screen shares over on YouTube. Uh, if you're interested in that, just go on over to YouTube. Make sure you got me over there. It's Christopher Enoch on YouTube on TikTok. Actually, the link the link to my uh, YouTube is in the bio on TikTok. But you can just go to YouTube and search for Christopher Enoch. You'll find me there quite easily. Okay, guys. Um, see what we have here in the comments. And tomorrow, 
tomorrow, we will be talking about the three, or not the three, the four Gospels. We got the three synoptic Gospels, the four Gospels. And uh, we will be looking at like the the scene of the Last Supper. Okay, we'll be looking at that and going through into the crucifixion and so on and so forth, comparing the four Gospels, comparing the uh, the timelines of the four Gospels as well. And so we'll be getting into that in a lot of detail tomorrow, doing a comparison, reading it side by side. All right, so uh, that's that's the that's the um, that's the schedule for tomorrow. So unless we have any more questions and comments, I'm going to close this out, and uh, we'll see you again tomorrow evening. Um, The Brick Train says, the praise of God will always be on, on lips. Amen. The praise of God. Yes, let's praise God in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, all the time. Amen. Okay, guys, that is, that's it. That'll wrap it up for tonight. So, again, make sure those of you who are on YouTube, if you're not on YouTube, Either way, make sure that you you are subscribed, you're following, so that um, uh, so that when we do go live, you get the notifications. You can jump on, you can join us when you have time. That'd be awesome. As always, you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Uh, you guys are world changers. Go out there and be like Noah. Be like the patriarchs. Be like the prophets. Preach righteousness. Preach repentance. Preach obedience. This is what is so needed today in in the world right we have so much we have uh, especially in the west not so much in the east but so much in the west we have an overabundance of doctrine of god loves you the grace of god grace and love and grace and love and grace and love but not very much of what god wants you to to do or the the instructions that god wants you to follow and to obey those instructions and um and be blessed because of them Amen. All right, guys. So um, that'll be it for tonight. The Great Deception on YouTube says, thank you, brother. Much love and blessings to you all. Thank you very much, brother. Blessings multiply back to you. One John says, thank you, Christopher. Shalom. Thank you very much again, brother. Appreciate you, brother. Jo Jordan says, God bless you all. God bless you more, Jordan. Vinny says, thank you, Christopher. God bless everyone. Shalom. And God bless you. Multiplied back to you exponentially, Vinny. All right. Awesome. Okay, guys. As always, I'll see you again tomorrow. Oh, we got Brina just joining us there on TikTok. Sorry, but we're just we're just uh, we're just ending. But tomorrow we will be back tomorrow, same time, same place, and uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting tomorrow. Going through the the Gospels. Make sure you tell your Christian family members and friends to join tomorrow because this is going to be an extra 
unusual time of going through comparing the Gospels. A lot of Christians have never done this before. They, they just read the entire book of Matthew. Then they read the entire book of Mark. Then they read the entire book of Luke. And then they read the entire book of John. Actually, you know what? To be honest with you, most of them don't even read it. And those who do read it like that and they don't see the differences. They don't see the peculiarities of the, of the different gospels. So we want to get into that, especially when, in regards to the Last Supper, the crucifixion, and we'll see about the resurrection as well. We'll see how much time we have to get into it and what all is going to happen tomorrow. But make sure you invite your, your friends, your Christian friends and family. I'm sure we're going to give them a lot to think about. You know, we're going to give them a lot to think about. Amen. All right, guys. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Blessings. As always, I pray for each one of you listening, watching. I pray the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.